All right, we're going to continue in our sermon series, God is with us in our brokenness. And uh, today we're going to talk about God is with us in our world's brokenness. The past few weeks we talked about in our personal brokenness, and we talked about in our family's brokenness the week before. Today I really want to talk about God with us in this world's brokenness. I'm, I'm sure many of you feel that every day, every moment when you watch the news or when you're on social media or when you just talk with people and experience life, you realize the world is a broken, broken place. Even walking into, um, me and Dave get here early to pray for everyone and to get prepared. And I go downstairs just to read through the sermon one more time and Dave gets a few things ready up here. And when I came up, Dave came up to me and said, there's a, there's a man in the foyer, he's homeless. Um, and he just came in because he saw it was a church and he just, needs help. Um, Dave asked him where he was from, where he was going. He knew where he was from, but he had no idea where he was going. And as I walked out there, um, you could see the brokenness of this man sitting at that table back there. And I said, his name was Clayton, and it's important that we understand that people in broken places, that people made in the image of God with names, who God loves, who we created with a purpose. And I said, Clayton, how can we help you? And he said, I just need to take a shower. Can you get me into a local YMCA to take a shower? And he went further to say, maybe even just get me a place to stay to take a shower. And I said, Clayton, we're going to help you. And we're confronted in these moments with the broken world we live in. That at times we... It's good to enjoy our families, enjoy the warmth we have and the good things. God has given good things, we want to enjoy them. But we never can turn, we, or should turn our face from the brokenness of the world and not live to restore it and live in hope that one day Jesus will restore it. And by God's grace and by your generous giving, we were able to bring them down to the lakeside inn and they were able to get them right in. Um, pray that he doesn't smoke in the room because it's going to cost us $500. But we were able to care for him and love him. But when we're confronted with that kind of brokenness, it makes you want to weep, right? It makes you want to cry. It makes you want to say, how can this be restored? And what, what Jesus does is he gives us a hope that one day he will come back and restore all things, a new heaven, a new earth, no more weeping, no more homelessness, no more guilt, no more shame, no more abuse, no more war, no more fear, no more death. And that's the hope that we live in, in the gospel. We need hope. If you give up hope, you will give up on life, and you will give up on love, and you will give up on the gospel. We need hope to move. It's, the, it's, it's fuel in the engines of our souls that we need to keep seeing, because what despair does is despair says there's no reason to fight anymore. Despair says it isn't even worth it. But what the gospel does and hope does is it drives us forward to be hope proclaimers in the midst of a broken world. And we can tell people that this will pass and one day Jesus will come back and make all things new. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. God with us in this world's brokenness. Because really Christmas is a celebration of God with us when he's born in this world, but what Jesus does, and we'll unpack this a little bit more later, he's born in this world to live the perfect life, to die on the cross so we can be forgiven of our sins, to, to be buried for three days, to rise again so that all believe him, who believe in him have eternal life, and he ascends into heaven, he says, listen to me, 
Go and make disciples. Go and see people restored. See their souls saved. See them find hope in the gospel. This is what we live our lives for. He said, but one day I'm going to come back and I'm going to make all things new. And this world will not go to ruin, even though it looks like that. This world will be restored by the power of the almighty God, the son of God, Jesus. And so I want us to find that hope today wherever you are. And I'm going to read from this verse, Revelation 21, 1 through 5a. And I think we have it on the screen this week. See how we're growing? Then I saw a new heaven. Do we have it up there? I hoped, see? I hoped it was up there. It was up there. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither there shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That our Savior says, behold, look at this, see this, know this, believe in this, live by this. I will make all things new. That's the gospel. When that rings in our soul daily as we face the trials and challenges and our failings and weaknesses and the brokenness of this world, when we're able to live with that truth that God is going to make all things new, all of a sudden we can live life with dignity, with character, and with love. See, hope is the major thing that we're looking for here and we're hoping for here. So we're going to focus on three things today. God is with us to give us hope in the future of this world. God is with us to eliminate the brokenness of this world. And God is with us in the city of God. We hope in this city that God will establish upon his return where there be no more crying, no more mourning, and no more pain. This is the hope of every Christian who believes the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's start here. God is with us to give us hope in the future of the world. To understand this passage of scripture that I just read, you've got to understand the context in which it was written and who it was written to. It was written to the early church. They were being persecuted. Some of them put to death, some of them put to, in jail. They were ostracized from society. Their savior was just recently murdered, the one who they followed and believed was the son of God. They paid much sacrifice. The world looked like a real broken place to them. They were in a corrupt empire, the Roman Empire, who had not believed that Jesus was the Christ. They were living in this kind of world's brokenness, and the Apostle John, under the power of the Holy Spirit, he writes to them so they find hope in their darkest place. See, hope shines a light in our darkest place. Hope shines in the darkness. Even on Christmas, what we're celebrating is the great hope was born in this world that will shine in the darkness. That God is with us in this world brokenness. And what the Holy Spirit is moving the Apostle John to write to the churches, saying, don't give up hope. It will pass. 
there's a future city that your Savior Jesus, the one that you saw nailed to the cross, that he will establish a new heaven and a new earth where these things won't reign. Will your loved one who you just lost because they have faith in Jesus? That is not the final word. They are the last who will come first in the kingdom of God. They will shine like the light of the sun, like all these metaphorical things that bring power to the gospel and speak the kingdom of God. Because if not, they could give up hope. Because if you just look at your present sometimes, you will give up on everything. You will ask yourself if it's worth fighting for. Why did I bring kids into this world? Should I bring kids into this world? All these questions begin to go around. If we lose hope and we have a secular mentality that has no faith, we will find ourselves in despair. And the gospel is not here to bring despair, but to bring hope. And we must cling to that. We must hold on to that. We must meditate on that. We must make that the center of our thoughts and the center of our soul's life. Because in doing so, we will become lights in the darkness who are able to proclaim the hope of the gospel. Amen? See, these things are huge because you are going through something right now and you need hope spoken into your life. There's not someone that's not going through a trying time right now that exists in the broken world because we're in a broken world. Now, it's all relative, right? So we can't tell someone's pain that someone's if they share their pain, that's less significant because someone went through something worse because it's all relative when you're in a broken world. You don't belittle people's struggles. You speak hope into them where they are. There's seven billion people on earth and they all need a, a, a hope that's customized through the gospel to their pain, amen? And that's what we need to understand, that we have a great hope. And God wants to place us this Christmas season in the midst of people who are in despair to speak that hope, that there's a future city, that there's a heaven, that there's another life, that there's a God who loves us, that there's a God who sent his son to defeat all our greatest enemies so that death, sin, and the enemy don't have the final say, and brokenness does not have the final say, but we will one day live in a world that's fully restored by the almighty Christ. And that's what we have to know. That's what we have to live by. That's what we have to fight for. That's what we have to believe even when we want to despair in our own world's brokenness. You know, I read a, a book called uh, Man's Search for Meaning recently. It's by Viktor Frankl. He was a psychologist in the 20th century who was a Jewish man who got put in a concentration camp um, during World War II. And so he writes a book about all his experiences of how, about how people responded to the greatest horrors, being treated like animals and uh, being tortured and starved to death and, and poisoned and abused. And he talked about how different people reacted to these horrible situations in a concentration camp and how he reacted. And he said the major difference, we all were going through the same thing. We, we were experiencing horrific things. He said the major difference was those who could keep hope and those who gave up on hope. He said those who lost hope wouldn't even get out of bed. Those who lost hope wouldn't eat anymore. Those who lost hope didn't even want to be treated for this sickness. They just wanted to die because they said it's not worth it anymore and I can't fight anymore. But he said those who found hope in the middle of all this brokenness are the ones who were able to walk with dignity, walk with character, and walk with love through it all. Because they didn't see their present, they looked forward to seeing their friends and their families and their wives again. 
And he actually talked about this one situation where he was ready to give up himself. The work had got too hard. The treatment was too harsh. And finally, even his soul wanted to give up. And he said all of a sudden, he felt like he's had a vision of his wife. And it was the most beautiful thing to him at that moment. Think about their love and their time and their laughter and the life they share together. And he saw his wife and he pictured his future hope of seeing her again. And it allowed him to make it through with dignity, with love, and even with kindness. Because he looked towards the future hope. Restoration Road, our, our family, we can make it through the world's brokenness because we have a hope that one day Jesus will restore all things. Because we are not confined and caged and imprisoned by our present. We are people of faith. And hope is a child of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Hope is a crucial ingredient in what we receive today through the scriptures in the city of God is one day a new heaven, a new earth, no pain, no crying, no mourning, no homelessness, no death. That's what we hold on to. And we can only be like Christ when we have hope. To despair is to live as if there's no God that loves us. And it's easy to fall into that darkness. I know it is. And that's why we need these scriptures to encourage us, to lift us up to places of faith, to elevate us to higher places so we can walk in hope and be lights in the darkness. The second thing is God is with us to eliminate brokenness. Are you someone who looks at the poverty and the hunger in this world and it breaks your heart? Do you know one day every mouth will be fed and every homeless person will be sheltered in the world where God is with us? Isn't that an amazing thing? Are you someone that sees the sexual abuse and the sex trafficking and it breaks your heart and you weep and you mourn over it? Do you know that one, God, one day God will wipe away every tear and not only will you not weep anymore for that, but every person through the power of Christ who has experienced that kind of abuse will be set free permanently, and that will never happen in the city of God ever again. What a wonderful truth. What a wonderful reality. Are you someone who sees the devastation that heroin is causing, the death in the streets and the homes and the families all across this nation? Do you know that the word overdose won't even be in the language in the city of God? It will be unheard of. Because there will be no overdose. Because everyone will be with God and he's enough to satisfy every urge. These are all things. God is going to eliminate all that brokenness. That hope, one day no more overdoses, no more abuse, no more hunger, no more homeliness. Homel uh, there might be a few ugly people in heaven. I don't know. I said homeliness. I don't know what happened. God will make us all beautiful. But it's going to be a wonderful place in the city of God. Joy. Some of us like, I want to I add to this feature, that feature, you know what I mean? Hope God gives me, you know, makes me three inches taller. That's what I'm praying for. But in the city of God, all those things will be done away with. They will be no more. They will be no more. It's just like Jesus has given a list. You know that? No more. You know that? 
It's a former thing. You know that? That is passing away. That has nothing to do with my city. That's not even known. That's not part of our culture. That can't happen again because the Holy Spirit indwells everyone here and God's in the middle of the city and that stuff doesn't happen in this world. That was part of the former world and all that is taken care of because of the work of the gospel. And that's wonderful stuff to hold on to. That will make you strong when you feel weak. That will give you hope when you despair. That will make you brave when all you want to do is be afraid. That kind of hope. See, we find ourselves in the already but not yet. See, Jesus came, that's what we celebrate on Christmas. Jesus came, sing Christmas cows. We're excited about that. So he's already started the new creation, but we're stuck in this not yet in between his first coming and his second coming, where we're living in the not yet, where we haven't fully realized when Jesus come back to judge the living and dead, to punish evil and to reward good, and to all those who have put faith in him by the grace of God will receive the reward of a new heaven, new earth. We're in that not yet phase. So what you need most in that not yet phase is hope, because the best way I can kind of give you an analogy of it um, is when it comes to pregnancy. Listen, when you're trying to have a baby, and you and your wife are like, let's do this. And then you find out your wife's pregnant, you're like, that's what I'm talking about. Everyone's happy. But then the first trimester hits. How's that feel? Oh, man, this is, this is, this is tough. This is a tough. Now, you already know the baby's coming, but you've got like six months to go, right? And if you despair... There's what we call trouble in paradise. There's what we call a situation. Right? Because if you get caught in that moment, you're in the already but not yet. You're thinking about the future of, like, the original reason. I want a kid. I want to share life with someone. I want to love them. I want to have a family. I want all that joy. But all of a sudden, you're feeling nauseous. You've got cramps, and your husband is bothering you. That's what we call the already not yet. See, we know that the baby's coming, but it's not yet realized. And when that baby comes, there is nothing like holding your child, seeing someone made in the image of God, and God allows them to, you know, even in a way they're made in your image. They look like you. They act like you. They want to be loved like you. They're brought into this family. I remember looking into my, my daughter's eyes and saying, this is one of the most, almost unbelievable miracles, and I'm so glad I had a child and I get to be a dad. That's wonderful stuff we look forward to. But in the already not yet, what we need to do most is not despair. We need to hope, Right? We need to hope or the journey's going to be miserable. Right now, I can tell you that there can be joy and hope now in our lives in this broken world. And we can walk through it with dignity, character, and love because we look ahead and God will eliminate all the brokenness. Amen? This is a very important, important stuff. God is with us to eliminate the brokenness. And our third point is God is with us in the city of God. This is the most important feature of this whole thing we're talking about today. If God eliminated every tear and God wiped away all mourning and all crying and there was no more pain and all those horrible things we talked about, if that's all that happened, we would still feel incomplete because our greatest desire is to be with God. 
A city without those things, without God, is not a city at all that is fully free and loved and finds joy. The fact that God is with us is the main feature you see in this text. It says God is in that city. He dwells with them. He walks with them. He talks with them. He covers them. He is actually the light. You don't even need a sun. He shines through the city of God and through the world. If God is not there, there is no hope. It's not enough, even though it's a wonderful thing that the former things are gone, but the main feature is God. That's what you and me were made for, to be in relationship with God, to worship God, to be in his presence, to know him, to be loved by him. Eternal life is to be known by God and loved by God, and when you're loved by God, that which God loved never dies. It never dies. That is eternal life. The fact that God is there is everything. This is the treasure You know, we say it's important to put our faith in Jesus so we're saved and so we're reconciled and it's great that our sins are forgiven, but all that stuff is only leading to one thing. It's leading to a relationship with God. He is our greatest treasure. See, those things are just things that are helping us get to the greatest treasure. My sins are forgiven. Jesus died and rose again. I have eternal life. But none of that is anything if God is not with us because we were made to live and move and have our being with God. He's the main feature that years ago there was a, a movie called What Dreams May Come. It was in the late 90s. It was with Robin Williams. He was one of my favorite comedians of all time, truly out of his mind in, in the best possible way. He just made me laugh. But he did a serious movie, What Dreams May Come. And in this movie, he's, he gets killed by a car. And um, he finds himself in his creation of what heaven is, right, or the afterlife. And so the landscape is beautiful. There's unique animals and there's colors you couldn't imagine. He's not restricted. He's running fast. He's jumping high. He's diving off. All this artistic beauty. It's just wonderful environment. And you're like, wow, this is cool. But as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, something's really missing here because this feels so empty. It feels empty. I know the beautiful sky. I know this color seems like you've never seen and animals you never even imagined, and all this kind of stuff. But I said, this place feels, I wouldn't want to go here. It feels empty. And Randy Alcorn pointed it out in a book on heaven when I finally read it. It really made sense to me. God wasn't there. God wasn't there. You know what even happened in the movie? He was miserable. future is so great and our hope is so great because the one we desire the most dwells in that city. God is with us. I just love even saying those words. That brings so much hope because we all know deep down by the power of the Holy Spirit that's everything we want is to not have to see with, with faith anymore. We just want to see God as he is and what they call the, the beautiful vision of God. And when that happens, our hope is fulfilled. And that's why we can make it through the world's brokenness because we know brokenness doesn't have the final say. I want to give you two application points here. I want to encourage you to be a person who is a hope proclaimer. A hope proclaimer. Be someone that people want to be around you because you're always speaking hope into the situation. You're acting in a hopeful manner. You're acting in hopeful ways. You're speaking hopeful words that speak into a broken world. Light and love and lift people who are down. It might look something like this. Someone has a sick child. And you say, listen, my child went through something similar. 
And you're going to make it through this. And it will pass. And it's all going to work out. God has a plan for your life and for your child's life. Right? We need to hear that hope. Someone is approaching death. They're in the fourth quarter of their life. And their soul is having trouble coming to grips with that. What if you told them they still have great meaning in their life? What if you say your life still has tremendous purpose? You mean so much to the people around you, and you have so much left to live for. And whenever God calls your number, you have even more to hope for. You have even more to hope for. See, people give up when they feel that life has no meaning. When you can tell them that God has a purpose for their life, to love and to care and to shed his hope, it lifts the soul from the grave. Be a hope proclaimer. Maybe someone feels what I call they're stuck in a moment. They're stuck in a moment. The same old stronghold. I'm never going to get out of this. I'm always going to be this person. I'll never change. I'll never overcome. Do you know how powerful words are when you say that's a lie? Let me tell you the truth. God has not, never not finished a project. He's never failed. A thousand percent success rate. If he started this work in you, he's going to finish it and you're going to make it. Wow. It's like, when can I hang around with you again? Right? Sometimes we're like, oh, here they come. Here they come. I'm going to have three days to recover from the things they say to me. Right? What if you're a hope proclaimer? That's the power of God right there. You know, sometimes the words, just to someone who's in despair, it will pass. It will pass. See, what the enemy wants us to believe is that what we're going through, the brokenness of this world and other things, will never pass. But what faith tells us, not only will it pass, but God has given us a future. Basically, you could really narrow down this whole text to the Holy Spirit saying to his children, to his people, this is going to pass. This world's brokenness is going to pass. Don't you dare believe that it won't. I'm going to make all things new. And those who hold on to that faith are overcomers. And overcomers will be in the kingdom of God forever. I might be preaching to myself today because I'm I'm amping myself up over here. (laughs) And a final point. We help make the world a better place by making our small worlds a better place. By giving hope in our small worlds. I, I call this the George Bailey effect. I hope It's a Wonderful Life is on your Christmas movie list. I got asked a serious soul question yesterday. Nathan was like, do you watch it in color and black and white? And I felt like my answer decided who I was as a person. It was too deep. He was like, black or white or color. And I was like, this is serious. I, gotta... I really didn't know. I just got confused. But the George Bailey effect means that we can live out the gospel and be like Jesus in our small worlds and it makes such a huge ripple effect for the goodness of the world being a better place because some of us have a godly desire to make the world better now. We should push back on darkness. We should love when people hate. We should sacrifice when everyone's living for themselves. We should be generous when everyone is spending on things that are passing away. That's how we should live our lives. That's the power of the gospel. We need to fight for those things. and uh, That's a God-given desire. But to live that out where we are is the most powerful thing. And what what happened to George Bailey was his dream was all, I want to travel internationally. I'm going to go to the best schools. I'm going to see all the wonders of the world. 
But then what happened in his life, he ended up in his hometown for his whole life, and he thought his life was wasted. Until Clarence showed up at the angel and said, listen to me, you don't understand the power of your life lived out in your locale in love. And I think that's what we're missing. I think that's what the early Christians knew. They weren't, you know, they didn't have to fly everywhere. There was no iPhones or nothing. They said, I'm going home to love somebody. I'm going to live this out today. I don't need to go anywhere. I need to go home. I need to go to the community. I need to go to the broken people in my life. And I need to act like Jesus in their life. And the best way to overcome most of the stuff in our life is stop thinking about ourselves and live our lives for others. It's wonderful when you forget about yourself. Wonderful way to live. No greater love has any man than he lays down his life for his brother. But George Bailey couldn't see that, and sometimes we can't see that power. He said, well, I'm going to bring you through the town, and I'm going to show you what this town is like if you weren't there loving, protecting, and fighting for people. And he walked in, the first place he, one of the first places, he goes into the bar, and he sees a man who he cared for, and he helped early on in his life. And he's an absolute alcoholic, has thrown all his life away, all destruction. He says, what are you doing here? I forget his name. <laughs> what? Oh, I knew someone would have it, Colleen. God's smiling on you. He said, what are you doing here? And Clarence says, you weren't here to do what you had to do to protect him from that. Then he thinks about, I think it was his uncle or his cousin, he said, where is he? He says, he's in a mental institution. What do you mean? You weren't here to be that mentor to him and to fight for him. That's what happens. You didn't live out your mission here. See, he lived out the mission of God there in a way. I'm talking like a preacher. And it goes on, and all the people that didn't have homes because he didn't push against the big establishment to give those loans to those people who didn't really have money to get houses, None of that have homes, and he didn't save his brother who fought in the war, who saved people and soldiers, and it kept going on, and this is the George Bailey effect, and I believe this is the way Jesus wants us to live out our life. And I think that's why Jesus said, the last will be first, because I don't think that we see our greatest heroes in the kingdom of God with our eyes. I think they will be shown to us in those who live like George Bailey in their locale, loving their people where there was no praise of man, and they gave everything for others to make their world a better place. That's how we push back on brokenness. That's how Jesus lived his life. We make the world a better place by loving people like Jesus loved us, right where we are. So Restoration Road, our, our family. I pray that you found more hope today, that your mi mind was made more sound and your soul was strengthened and lifted up by the truth and reality of what Jesus is gonna do with this world, make it all new. Brokenness will not win. All the former things will pass away. And most importantly, we have this hope that God is with us for all eternity. And believe me, it's a shorter time than you think than we get to see him face to face. Life is a breath, and who knows when he's returning. I'm not one of those guys saving cans in Poland Springs, but I tell you, it's one day closer than yesterday. And it's not something we're afraid of. It's something we pr pray for. It's something the Bible ends with. The last prayer, come Lord Jesus, come. That's our hope. That's what we hold on to. Let's continue to do that in hope and love. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the great hope proclaimer, the birth of your son, Jesus, the wonderful work of the gospel. Just the power of his name is everything to us.
It's why we can hope even in our dark places, and we know you're a loving Father, that when we despair, you're not angry with us. You want to just lift us up to the power of your love. And I, I pray that that continues to happen today as we sing to you and as we love you. Amen.